What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am in the studio with Rachel. Rachel, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. here. <laughs> right when you took a bite, I realized you were you were uh, taking a bite of your snack there. Right when I said that, and you weren't with us last week, but you're with us this week. Welcome back. Welcome I'm back. With you guys this week. Yes, so good to be here. Yeah, and we have Rosie. Rosie, what's up, my man? Hey, what's up? How you doing? Been better, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's you know what? What's new? Well, I was gonna say uh, to all the warrior women, which is <laughs> apparently now something. Warrior also for women. The, the no, I was gonna say all the. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I was gonna say bad news, good news. Okay, I am back on the market. I am single. So that is some good so news for some people. For all the, yes, single ladies out there. All right. Yeah, that's I, it. I wish I had a sound, a sound clip of that. <laughs> all the single ladies out there. So if you, uh, are you, are you, are you. Are you <laughs> I was uh, going to say, I was going to make a joke. Uh, yeah, if, uh, if you uh, are based, you're cute, <laughs> and you're single. Love Jesus. Yeah, love Jesus. Yeah. How about you slide into the DMs and then Turner will. <laughs> Uh, you say I'm here. I want to. I want to. I want to talk to Rosie. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll be your wingman for that. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this. Po- we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years. Maybe I'll get a date out of it. <laughs> That's the only reason. This is the long game. This, this is the long game I've been doing, and it's not paid off yet. <laughs> well, um, all right. So you're soliciting me to <laughs> to, to cover. Most, a lot of people don't know. I I cover the Instagram uh, mm-hmm. account. I do the I do both Twitter and Instagram. I don't. I ignore Facebook. Mm-hmm. If you if you friended us on Facebook, I'm sorry. I just apologize to you right now. You're getting like leftover nothings. <laughs> Whatever Instagram gives you, that's what you get. But uh, I I actually use Instagram. I do lives yeah. and stuff. But so if if you if you're a single lady <laughs> and you're based. Or, all right, I'm going to prioritize it for you. Okay. If, if, yeah, yeah. If you, you love, love Jesus. Jesus first, top number one. Yeah. Number two, you're based, mm-hmm. and number three, you're hot. <laughs> gotta be, gotta be attracted to your to your person. You got it. You got. I mean, it. I'll take cute, but. All right, I'm going to raise it for you. If you're hot, <laughs> and if they're confident enough to say I'm hot, then that's a good that's, that's a good true, sign, right? True, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, we don't want to overemphasize it, but, no. but it is in, it is in the top three or four. <laughs> And then uh, you direct message us, please. No, none of this. Like I'm a good Christian man. Yeah, he is a good Christian man, but also none of this. Don't play a joke on us. Like set up a fake account of some chick, and you're some <laughs> dude just trying to roast Rosie. Uh, and I will pass them on to him as I will be the gatekeeper. Yeah, as his friend and his brother. Yes, sure. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, yeah. Hey, look, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we, we want. We can do whatever we want. Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. Like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Anyways. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> hey, did you know? <laughs> we can. I'll just go to that. Hey, did you know that there was a uh, case where a bunch of nuns started meowing like cats? <laughs> no, but that uh, sounds yeah. amazing. So have, you guys have heard of like cases of mass hysteria. Have you heard of that term before? Like, where it's like where, if someone screams like fire in a yeah. theater or no something. it's like well you've have you guys heard of the dancing disease where all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. randomly like 
this village, someone started dancing, and then all these people started dancing in the whole village for like there's like hundreds of them, I and they danced did, for like days. You didn't? Oh. Did you know like a long time ago about that? Oh, I remember okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, and then some of them died. Yeah. Okay. Exhaustion. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, there is this case that happened like that. It was a secluded convent in France. So it said it all began when one nun began to meow like a cat, <laughs> which is, oh, this is interesting, an animal that is closely associated with the devil in Catholicism. The cat? Yeah. El gato. El gato. Soon others in her company began to meow as well. Together they would sometimes meow for hours at a time. <laughs> to contain the situation, soldiers were brought in and tasked with whipping and beating the nuns until they promised to stop. Wow. Yeah. And it said, what year was this? The Middle Ages. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here's It says, a similar case occurred in Germany during the 15th century when nuns began to bite one another. <laughs> when, new, when the news traveled, other nunneries in the area started experiencing the same problem. Soon the biting epidemic had spread as far as Holland and Rome with no clear explanation as to why this was happening. According to reports from the time, the biting eventually ceased due to the nun's exhaustion. Uh, it says the bizarre behavior in both cases is genuinely credited to the period's intense belief in the supernatural. Well, okay, yeah, whatever. It, then it goes into like these women were forced into convents, but right, right, um, yeah. Wow. So there you go. Laughing nuns, biting nuns, dancing people, meowing the, nuns, the meowing nuns, the village people. Yeah. The... <laughs> So there you go. So the moral of the story is don't become a nun. Yeah. Basically. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I would not be able to handle um, all I that have, many women. I have a. Um, oh right. <laughs> this is so. This is funny because both my mom and one of my aunts, and I don't think the aunt that I listens to this is actually the one I'm talking about. I might be confused, but my mom's family, big family. I think three or four of her sisters all. Went to become nuns. Wow. Yeah. They considered it or they like actually they went to are the, nuns? the convent. No, none of them oh. are. They I didn't. Think, they I think didn't three make or four out. of them went. Yeah. Yeah. I guess living there for a week or two would change your mind. No, like some of them for a while. Like they were almost there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or I mean, they were like praying about it. No, ready to become uh, a nun. Oh, like, right. on the, like had been there for a year or two. What do they call that? A nunnery? That's what I have said. Yeah. <laughs> the nunnery? Like, that nun hatchery? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're a Catholic and you're offended by my nun jokes, but That's we're right. Protestant. We don't get nuns. Yeah, actually, one of my uh, one of my uh, <laughs> I was gonna say uh, one of my super Catholic rad tread friends listened to the last week's podcast and he hit me up and he was like, "Hey, I didn't like when you guys slammed uh, something one of the church guys." He's like, "It was a pretty good podcast." So even the Catholics Augustine. on an episode where we slammed Catholics. Well, they've they're been, still pretty cool. Yeah, they've been getting slammed by everybody for years, so yeah. they're kind of used to it. But anyway, we got like the Catholic card. We can make fun of Catholics now. Okay. Yeah. That's so. a that's a that's what that means. Okay. Cool. We get the pass. All right. Well, we're not going to be making fun of Catholics tonight. Nope. We got a special episode. Our topic is deconstructing faith, but we'll get to, we'll get that in a minute. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Yeah. 
You know, I've never said it, but that intro, the music was done by my daughter and the voiceover is done by our good friend, Seth. He's listened to almost all of our episodes, maybe all of our episodes. He's such a faithful friend and he's got the milkiest golden tone voice. It's the best. Mm -hmm. And he's just an awesome dude. And I actually got to see him this weekend. He was- uh, Hey, what a coincidence. I got to see him this weekend too. You did. We saw him. We got to see him this weekend. He lives about four hours away from us. So uh, it was cool to be able to see him this weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny. He's been on every episode of the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's been on, and not even as a special guest, he just makes an appearance every episode. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So- if I were to say to you these names, these are people that you may or may not know, Michael and Lisa Gunger, Audrey Assad, Dan Hasseltine, Joshua Harris, Rhett and Link, John Mark McMillan, they all have one thing in common. What would you say it is? They're <laughs> Americans. <laughs> What's that, Rachel? What'd you say? Hipsters. <laughs> Hipsters. <laughs> You're actually, that's well, right. Because he's a little bit older now, but might be trying. Who's that? Josh Harris? Him and Dan Hasseltine. I remember when they were young, young men. Yeah. And my sisters were reading their books and listening to their music. Yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, most of these are musicians. Um, Joshua Harris was a famous pastor actually in our area, Mm. and he wrote a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Uh, He, John Mark McMillan wrote a famous song, How He Loves, or he was, he's connected to it with Jesus culture. Um, Rhett and Link are podcasters. They're pretty famous. Uh, John Hasseltine was the lead singer to Jars of Clay, another Christian band. And Michael and Lisa Gunger, Michael Gunger was a big worship guy here a few years ago. The commonality that all of them have is that they all have confessed or professed that they are walking away from their Christian faith, that they are deconstructing their faith. And this is something that I've been noticing a lot more over the last year and a half to two years, maybe even three years. Um, But it's become even more prominent probably because of coronavirus is my guess. I think there's a definite connection because of coronavirus. But... uh, I, there is a trend that's happening called deconstructionism and it's actually a movement. They've actually labeled it a movement now. And, Mm -hmm. uh, because I've been seeing, so this happening so much, normally when I see something like this, I see an article about an individual, a pastor or somebody, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll read it or whatever. And I feel bad for the person or whatever, but I don't always like take it in as like, Oh my gosh, this is a movement. This is so, so many people that are walking away from their faith. What in the world? But there is now legs to this particular phrase in this thing. And it, it, to call it a movement is probably pretty accurate. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I, I think the more that people see other people talking about it, then they realize, wait, that adequately describes what I'm going through. Uh, and I think people are in different stages of it too. There's not yeah. like a one arrival necessarily Um, I was just reading an interview um, it was Josh McDowell Mm -hmm. Josh McDowell was no Sean son of Josh McDowell that's his son that's right 
was interviewing uh, John Steingard, who was the former um, Hawk Nelson lead singer, who no. Sean McDowell became a um, apologist after struggling with some faith, you know, problems. Hmm. Um, he's now an apologist who understands the struggle, and John Steingard, former Hawk Nelson singer, is completely walked away from the faith. Hawk Nelson, so. huh? Really? Wow. That's, uh, I didn't know that's another one. There's another lady, too, that was like a famous blogger, YouTuber, or whatever, and she would speak at women's conferences and stuff, and then she left her husband for a woman. Um, I think I remember. Like about a, I don't remember what like a year or so ago. Um, but And that's the same thing like with Joshua Harris. Here's a guy who wrote a book about <laughs> purity before marriage. Mm-hmm. And then he go, ends up walking away, leaves his wife, and now he's... I think he might be a homosexual. I know there's something connected there with it. I'm not positive, but I think there's something connected there. Uh, he definitely... Affirming. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely affirming. And that is a, that is something... We'll get into that in a minute, some of the common traits. Uh, in my research, I found that 44% of people that are professed Christians go through some sort of uh, deconstruction phase at some point in their faith life. Forty-four percent. So, at any given time, within your congregation of your church, your fellowship, wherever you wherever you go to church, there forty-four percent of the people. There, there's a percentage of people that are that are actually there to try and figure out if that's what they're going to believe, hmm. if they're going to keep believing that. And this is nothing new. Like I, I think ever since Jesus rose from the dead, there's been people who. I mean, look, look. Let's be honest. I mean. We get it right right off the bat with Thomas, right? He looks he looks at Jesus and he looks at the disciples and he says, "Yeah, they they're like, hey, we saw the risen Lord. We saw the risen." And he's like, "Yeah, well, if I can put my fingers in his the wounds and see him, then maybe I'll I'll believe, you know." And mm-hmm. he's skeptical and he's doubting and and then sure enough, Jesus shows up and says, "Hey, Tom, what's up, <laughs> Tommy boy?" <laughs> but uh, and you know the rest of the story, right? He. He then bows down and worships Jesus, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But so there's been doubters. There's been those that have been questioning the faith from the beginning. You know, Peter, the closest apostle, you know, John was the one he loved, but Peter undoubtedly was the closest apostle to Jesus in many ways, mm-hmm. walked on water, but then yet denied him. Three times. Three times. That's right. And so even I was going to say, this is kind of an interesting thing. Even after he was warned that he would do that. Right. Yeah, he was told, hey, yeah. whoever, <laughs> hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times after the rooster crows. <laughs> and he's like, not me, no way, Lord, never me. So um, so when I was like looking at this whole topic, uh, it, it's, it is troubling. I hate to see it happen. I hate to see that uh, people walk away from faith or deconstruct. But there are some things that are underlying. If you were to pop the hood on their spiritual life on on their life in general i think that there would be a couple identifying factors that would show up pretty regularly and there seems to be some things that seem to pop up on all of these individuals that i that are more prominent that are we know about you know that we read about um there's some commonalities with all of them and it's hard to overlook those and not think that there's something that's in, that from those commonalities that are actually contributing to their deconstructing phase that they're going through uh, wouldn't you guys agree? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, 
I just came across an article on Christian Post, um, somebody talking about how deconstructionism is a good thing because it's causing you to uh, kind of dismantle everything that you have been taught and really make sure that you believe it for yourself. However, this person is also saying that we need to stop worshiping the golden calf of certainty and learn to embrace the God of divine mystery. Hmm. So it's like, okay, wait a minute, where's, where's the biblical foundation for that? We're not just worshiping a God that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're trying to go and be a little bit more spiritually open, which uh, who was it? John Mark McMillan was saying he was embracing a more holistic spirituality and his faith wavers from day to day and changes and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, is that spirituality based in truth or is it based in how you're feeling right, right. Um, are, are you which spirit are you communing with you know like are you going to God's word to talk about what he says and God's literal spoken word it, it almost reminds me of trying to have a relationship based off of hearsay about yourself hmm. so you're going around and you're asking all kinds of other people like they're your friends your, your spouse's friends like people off the street, what they think about your spouse instead of going to your spouse and saying, okay, what do you think about this? And trying to get to know them. So like, this is very interesting. Just Hmm. the common thread that I'm seeing as we can talk about later, just all of these people talking about, well, what God is to me and what I feel, and this is my experience from the church. And I was told this, this and this. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Like if you want to get to know somebody, you talk to them and you have a conversation and if you want to get to know God, the true God of the Bible before defaming him and saying, you know, this is what he has done to me. And this is what church has done to me. Go and talk to him in his word. Mm-hmm. And that will help you assess the health of your relationship with him. Yeah. Um, you can't go and be gossiping, uh, or basing it on other people's experiences. It's a personal relationship. So, I was going to say it, it's kind of an interesting point that I think is uh, very tricky because like the, the way that that article starts off where it will get you, it, uh, I, it's just a small point that I think is maybe important to lay down before we start going into this is that it's um, like the opposite of faith is not doubt. Like right. you can have doubt in your faith, you can be faithful and still doubt things um, mm-hmm. are going to happen, or you can question certain things or the doctrines. <laughs> doctrines, yeah. you know, like I don't know. I uh, this isn't a, a terribly good example, but like sometimes I'll just be. I've thought about stuff, and I remember one thing that always just seems to get me is the Trinity. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. just like sometimes, and I've read enough to. You know, I understand it. I've read enough theology. I've read apologetics, you know, from so a basic level of how you would explain how it works to, you know, defending the basic idea of it to exegesis and, you know, like, you know, stuff that is based for Christians at kind of maybe a higher level or a deeper level, you know. So I understand it. I believe it. But there's some times where I'm just like, I just don't understand how it's true. And uh, <laughs> and I question things because then I try to use my own head right like well how does it really make sense you know is this yeah. a silly thing to think about and i always come back to 
well, no, you know, it's not silly. I believe in it. Yeah. And I was going to say, so you can, and that's kind of not a good example in the same way, but I was trying to use it to illustrate that having doubts about stuff based maybe like what these, this guy was saying is day to day, you can have certain doubts about certain things or things that are going on in your life that may make you forced to question maybe why something is happening or why something is going the way it is or, you know, someone gets sick, you know, it's like stuff like that. You can have doubts yeah. and yeah. question without going into deconstruction and you can, so it's okay to like go to it and what you said, Rachel, about going to God and asking him, like God's a big God, you can go to him and say, hey God, I don't understand why you're doing this. Can you please speak to me? Can you talk to me? Yeah. And he's not, it's not bearing upon him to answer right away. I'm not saying that, but I mean, he's big enough to handle that, that you can have doubts. So I, I just kind of wanted to lay that groundwork of, yeah. I think then that's a subtlety, just what you were talking about, that article where they use an idea that I think is healthy to break down the idea of why you believe certain things with the intent mm -hmm. of growing in stronger in faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not what we're talking about. Deconstructionism is not questioning in that kind of way with the desire ultimately to get to know God better. Yeah. That's not it. I think to, if I can add to yeah. that too, Please. that, cause I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. Um, and if I could add to it, I would just say that there is healthy deconstructionism that happens in your spiritual life. Um, as you mature and as you seek the Lord and as you read the scriptures faithfully, um, there's a work that happens through that, that God actually, he renews your mind and he dismantles wrong mindsets, wrong attitudes, wrong thoughts, wrong beliefs mm -hmm. in light of the truth of the scriptures. And so there is deconstruction that happens. And I can say to you that I had a massive deconstruction that happened to me just through the the Nephilim studies that we've yeah. done, honestly. Yeah, yeah, same here, yeah. You know, I came into the Nephilim studies with a, with a mindset. My, I, my original mindset was, honestly, was they were the Cainites, the son of Cain. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then when I started to unpack the scriptures and understand the real sons of God, you know, were the angels and they truly had sex with women, that the scripture was expounding on that. Um, it changed my view on that and I had to reconstruct something that I had to deconstruct first. Mm -hmm. And so there is some healthy Christian deconstruction, faith deconstruction, spiritual deconstruction, as long as it's attached to some kind of reconstruction that's mm -hmm. ultimately based in the word uh, and, and in that capacity. So I just wanted to say that. But the one thing that, Rachel, you pointed out already is that they that fundamentally gets attacked first in someone's deconstruction is they begin to question the Bible itself, yeah. the inerrancy of Scripture. Is it reliable? Is it faithful? Is it true? Is it man-made or is it God-made? And how can God use a man who's imperfect to give a perfect word? And how come through all the translations it remain faithful? And how can, you know, and it just becomes this spiraling uh, attack on the word of God. And it's never based on the actual words of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's always an outside thing. Have you ever noticed that? It's always based on yeah. how did we receive it? Who, what translation came, but they never go to the words themselves. And that's where it be, that's where it gets real. 
you know? Yeah. Well, and it, it's very, it's like harsh when you actually are reading things that in and of themselves convict you. So right. you yeah. reading something even without someone else's like, here's how you're supposed to interpret this. Um, because we all have the way that we were taught the Bible. We all have the way that our parents told us uh, what certain things meant. I remember growing up and there were certain passages my parents didn't know how to explain to me. And so I never knew the proper context of it until later. But that's beside the point. They were just like, <laughs> well, this is what it says. And so you just read it for what it says. So when you have people who are literally not even wanting to go to what the Bible says because it's hurt, it hurts to read it or it might hurt a marginalized group of people, like you have to read it for what God says. And you have to kind of set aside, okay, wait a minute, what, is, what inside of me is being like triggered essentially right now? Like, is it because I don't want to read it, it's hurtful and it's wrong? Or is it because I am convicted of something in my own life that hmm. I didn't even realize? And I think that's a, a, one of the common threads that people are expressing in this movement is they don't want to... Um, be spoken to they don't want to have this what they call duality of there's either right or there's wrong Mm. there's living in you know there's a way that's living that's good and there's bad um we as christ or not we as christ we as human beings uh, are somehow inherently sinful from our very beginning like how can that be possible like um you know we at our core are wrong are sinning are bad like that's very hard to hear and so instead of addressing okay what what does god actually do about it like Mm -hmm. what is god doing for us about that how did that come about because we have free will because we're like we're beings that have so much power in our choices and what we're doing and the ability to actually spiritually commune with other people like that's insanely powerful that's amazing and yet, instead of just addressing that, the people in this movement are saying, we have to dismantle that. Yeah. There is no wrongness about you. You at your core are the way that you're supposed to be, the way that God made you, the way that God created you. That's how you're supposed to be. There's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel guilt. You shouldn't feel shame. But in just telling someone that is not going to remove that. Mm-hmm. Because we have that we have there is such a dissonance in our spirit of we are not living in the way that God wants us to live and so instead of just realizing wow I'm so thankful that Jesus actually made a way for us to be in union with God instead of realizing that from the word that it's like ignoring and dismantling the word ignoring and setting aside I'm not even going to believe in the concept of sin or the concept right. of my my um deep need for a savior and how can you have I am inherently good when you don't even have you don't even acknowledge the opposite of that right and that so when you attack the bible you're kind of like you're kind of going to the base like you're going right at the foundation of everything that holds it together you know what I mean yeah so it's interesting too and so before we get into more of like kind of the attacks that 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 come at, I, I did want to talk about some of the common th- threads that I've noticed about a lot of the individuals that I, that are public, you know, 
and, and mm-hmm. you, you touched on that a little bit. Um, one of one of the things that I always notice is that they are probably more, um, and I say this just, I'm just going to say it bluntly, and you know, I think a lot of our listeners will understand, but a lot of them would would be if you were to like, <laughs> they would be left leaning. Yeah. If 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 that's you know they they go to church all the time and everything and they they have good lots of good christian friends they do a lot of good charity they may even be leading worship in a church or something like that um but then they have this side of them that really that resonates with them with um a lot of these social justice issues and things of that nature which um which in and them in and of themselves social justice isn't bad right but when when I when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about it's more of this woke theology, this woke yeah. you know the more what more prevalent in today's culture. Uh, it's not just man. I feel bad for for people that are marginalized, and I I would love to see sex traffickers set free, right? Like who wouldn't, right? If you're a believer, who wouldn't? It it goes beyond some of that, and uh, and it yeah. Well, I was gonna say it's a perfect thing. Like we. It, uh, it, it's kind of tricky because I I, I, I kind of want to separate it, but not at the same time. It's like there's always been, um, and maybe you can think of examples as I say this. Yeah, that will make a difference. So I would say you can have someone within theology, right? Or there's certain denominations that are seen as more traditional, more conservative in their theology itself. Where uh, I don't know, perfect example of this, right? is you have uh, maybe some theology that comes out of like King James only stuff. We only read the King James because that's traditional. And that's like, that's a pretty conservative theology kind of thing that, you know, Southern Baptist or, you know, whatever like that. And then you might have things within theology or other denominations that are more liberal in their theology. I wouldn't say, I mean, some of it I would say is heretical, but you can also have stuff that is not heretical that is just it's not when we use the term liberal theology some of it is liberalism like that kind of idea of some stuff that gets thrown in with the other stuff but it's still like the the, we're still talking about theological issues of how they view the bible that might be more conservative or liberal right but what you're talking about and i think this is a distinction is we're starting to see even and i think it starts obviously with churches that have liberal theology are getting put in with liberal politics. Yeah. So that's what this uh, is. uh, I think that's what you're getting at is you're getting liberal politics that really have no place in the church or it's not an issue for like, I don't know how I'm trying to say it, like a universal basic income. Like that's not something that should be (laughs) talked about from the pulpit. You know what I mean? Really? And, like and policy decisions to, or something like that? They're trying to address what Christians have as our our duty, which is taking care of widows and orphans and feeding the hungry and the right. poor and everything. That's our responsibility. And they're saying the government has to take care of it. We can only change things through policy. Right. So let's policy, let's get involved in politics when you don't need the government and programs and stuff like that to actually be on the ground doing stuff. That's like, right. People forget about all of the, the outreaches and all of the charities, and they just hyper-focus on the church hurt and the church trauma and 
all of those things. They, they're not focusing on all of the good things that are actually coming out of it because they're hurt by sinful people continuing to, it's like, it's almost like a generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Like things that people have been taught are hurting them, hurting the people around them. They're sinning against their, their brothers and their sisters. And it's just, it keeps passing down because you're not actually going to the word of God. But on all the good stuff gets thrown out in the bathwater and people are like, the only way we can change the world is through policy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so there's a, like a, um, I guess it's a fundamental dis- misunderstanding of the role of government and the role of church yeah, in the well, life of a Christian. Yeah. I was just trying to say, I think for an example of like what, for, with this stuff that you were talking about is you're getting stuff that is like the politics of it, specific talking about specific policies yeah. is what's coming in through this wokeness that you're talking about that really doesn't have a basis. And I think they, that like the, the intention starts for a person like this where they want to get involved with something like they want to, they feel like they want to get involved. They want to make a difference. They want to see change, mm. you know, hope and change. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, but they do. And so they don't see a whole lot of outlets in the church, sadly, mm. for things like that. And so then they start to get involved in their communities and in in the political realm. And then that sucks them into, because they have a compassionate, you know, more, uh, a more tender, soft, compassionate heart, they're going to, they're going to tendency have a tendency to go towards those things that seem to fall on the blue side of the electoral, you know, and my whole thing is, is all of that doesn't matter. We should do what's right, no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. that's the real answer. But yeah, then, so you see a, like a social liberalism that's in the individual that's very, that's very, um, that they lean that way, that they're open to that, that they feel more comfortable in those circles. Like I'm talking about trends that I see in these individuals, right? Um, the next thing I see is that there's, there's usually a background of some kind of fundamentalism hmm. where they, this is, this is sort of like a response to, oh, I grew up in a super ultra fundamental Christian home and my parents wouldn't let me dance. My parents wouldn't let me go to prom. My parents wouldn't, they didn't drink. My, you know, there was no, if we, it was like, you don't smoke, you don't chew and you don't run with girls that do, right? That's always the, the thing, right? And, uh, and it's like, I grew up in this fundamental and that was their, that was their presentation of how to live for Jesus. And so this is a snapback. There's a big snapback that happens. They get out, they get free. Uh, and then they, they do this complete reversal. They don't want to, they don't want to necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater because they do have some kind of roots there, I guess, but they just say, no, we're going to take everything but that. Like I'm going to have my mm-hmm. spiritualism. And it's like what you were saying, Rachel, with John Mark McMillan. It's like, I'm not going to have any formality to this whatsoever. There's not going to be any structure. There's not going to be any any boundaries, any borders. I'm going to just like God's big enough for that. I he knows I love him. I he loves me and we're just going to leave it at that. And that's sort of what happens. I see that as a as a, a tip of, does that make sense to you guys or am I just I don't know. No, that's that's really but the thing is when do you ever uh your mom ever tell you if you open your mind too much your brain falls out <laughs> <laughs> right 
Um, which isn't supposed to say like, you know, stay narrow minded, but it's like, okay, if you start embracing every single thing that comes your way with zero discernment, you're going to lose reason and wisdom. Um, and it's interesting. There's this church that I've been sending you guys stuff from, but it's, they're labeled a progressive Christian church and their, their, their social media feed is all just, you know, basically quotes about social justice, quotes about um, how we need to embrace all these different facets of spirituality, and it's very vague. So I need to read you some of the the little catchphrases that they have. Sure. So one of them is, may we embrace a vision of God that is so expansive and universal that it makes us a bit uncomfortable. Hmm. There's one. Uh, another one is... Uh, Hope isn't given to us. It's created by us. They're quoting a little bit of the foreign. Here's another one. Uh, to be Christians is to understand that this world is actually our home. The transformation of the world into a just and generous home for all human beings is our work. No, stop. Uh, <laughs> a gospel that isn't social or political isn't actually gospel. Is one thing that they're saying. Christian tradition isn't about preparing for the afterlife. It's about the transformation and healing of the world, not the conversion of the world to our religion. Hmm. A gospel that social or political isn't actually gospel. And it, it's so many great comments on this post, Wait though. a second, And though. they're like, Do you just, they just, they're literally just quoting the Bible at them. They're right. like, okay, um, in response to this, John eighteen thirty six, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> So like he's like any dive into the Bible to address this topic dismantles it immediately. So right. this they're just coming out of it with like from thin air. Uh, what if Christians decided to make the work for justice, the in the economy, the climate, healthcare, and equity central to what it means to be a Christian? These are all quotes from this progressive Christian church. Nothing is rooted in the Bible, which is God's word. This is what Christianity is supposed to be based out of. So it's it really is opening your mind so much that the really the core of it, the heart of Christianity, has fallen out, mm-hmm. left the building. Yeah, so well, that, that's why they got to attack the Bible because the Bible is going to bring clarity. It's mm-hmm. like you talked about discernment. How do you get discernment? You get discernment by reading God's word, right? His word is his wisdom. <laughs> so it's like... You know, I think I a while ago... I'm so sorry. Did I it's just interrupted? No, no, you're good. Um, They have a graphic. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, it is what the Bible is and what the Bible isn't. Oh, two side by side. Great. The Bible isn't the word of God. The Bible isn't self-interpreting. The Bible isn't a science book. The Bible isn't a answer and rule book. It isn't inerrant or infallible. It is, it is side. It is a product of community. It is a library of text. It is multivocal. It is a human response to God and it is living and dynamic. So they're, they're, uh, here's their, uh, caption. As progressive Christians, we are open to the tensions and inconsistencies in the Bible. We know that it can't live up to impossible modern standards. So we strive to more clearly articulate what Scripture is and isn't. This is what their main purpose of this church is, in air quotes. 
is just is really every topic of the sermon of the podcast of their social media is what is progressive Christianity not it what does the Bible say hmm. what about first Timothy all scripture is God breathed and useful for correction rebuke <laughs> I mean, like you're literally not even going to the Bible in order to understand the Bible which is God's right. word like but wait I can't like what I can't use that because because according to them, the Bible is not self-interpreting, mm-hmm. <laughs> nor is it an answer <laughs> or infallible. So I guess all, all of the stuff that promotes social justice and healing our world is applicable in the Bible. Everything else, too dogmatic. Yeah. yeah. So did you guys see this week the guy that came out that said that Jesus um, actually repented from being a racist? You see that? Mm, no. It's the interaction from Mark's gospel where uh, he's dealing with the Gentile woman and she says, Kate, can you please give me some food? And he's, or she want. I'm sorry, no, that was wrong. She equates a healing as getting scraps of crumbs. She basically- Oh, from the, for, to get his, uh, the, she brings her daughter. She brings her daughter. Yeah. She asks for him to heal. He says, no, you know, I, and he, he, I think in that scripture, I need to look at it, but uh, I should, I shouldn't have even said anything before I opened my <laughs> Bible, but- uh he she she asked for him to do a healing and he says no i came to the to the people the children of israel first and that was the mission the mission was first to jews and then to the gentiles you know that was the way the plan of god the dispensation of god was first to the jews then to the gentiles and mm-hmm. he says she says well even the dogs that sit under the table get the crumbs she calls herself a dog mm-hmm. okay and it's a in any and then he says, Okay, you have faith, I'm gonna heal you. Right? And so this guy equates because of Jesus accepting the fact that she's a dog or whatever. And dog was a pretty bad uh cut down. You know, the the Jews would call Gentiles dogs. And yeah. and if you know anything mm-hmm. about Middle Eastern culture, dogs are not well liked. They're just mm-hmm. not like especially in the Muslim world. Yeah. And uh so it, it basically Jesus is accused of being a racist. Well, n- newsflash, he came to the Jews first, right? God's yeah. God has races that he's set apart. One of them in particular, the Jews. They're really special to him. And, and you better get used to it because the king of the earth is a Jew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole earth, all of creation is a Jew. So you better get used to it. Um, it just makes me laugh how they accuse him of being a racist and yet they're sitting there being racial. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh. Um, uh, it just, that's a side note tangent. He's just a liberal dude, you know, liberal Christian guy. Um, so they attack the Bible, they lean left. Um, they have some kind of fundamental background, some really legalism that has done some damage. And that leads to my third point is that, they typically will have some kind of church hurt. They'll there there is a tendency to see that they that they will express that they've got church hurt. They've been some pastor has abused them, maybe mentally or emotionally, uh, or even possibly physically. Uh, there's been some kind of church issue where they've been involved, maybe in leadership and. Um, something happened and they they you know were let go they did, they were fired or they were you know whatever listen i if you stick around the church long enough if you stick around the church long if you go to church long enough you're going to get hurt yeah 
It's a guarantee. It's not, I'm not even, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, honestly, because the church is made up of sinful people. We're all sinners. Mm -hmm. And that's who God's after, the sinners, right? And we're all in process. And people step on other people's toes. People hurt other people. People are already broken and they're hurting other people in their brokenness. And they happen to be in leadership of churches as well. So it's an, mm -hmm. it's bound to happen. And the the question isn't because there's church hurt, I should throw everything away and deconstruct my my because I got hurt at a church, a specific church, or by a specific person, and it might even be a pretty, you know, I think I'm thinking of like Ravi Zacharias right now. I mean, it, what a stain on the Christian church his legacy is right now. You know, uh, mm -hmm. it this guy wounded hundreds, thousands of people. He's, you know, he here he is. Now, does that mean all of Christianity is bad because of Ravi Zacharias? No. Mm. No, it doesn't. It means that God had a guy that said he followed him and he was really, really bad. Yeah. And I was going to say, uh, even, I mean, with an example like that, you're going to say, like, does that mean that, you know, all these people, Christianity is bad? It also doesn't mean that God, that people... It doesn't mean that Ravi Zacharias didn't actually help people. Right. So, I mean, just because, like, I mean, that's a perfect example. Did people, is there probably thousands, I would assume probably more than that, that genuinely came to faith through, you know, if they had questions about it, and then all of a sudden you read a Ravi Zacharias book, or he did debates all the time. He was a, an apologist. Right. So there's nothing, like, do all of a sudden you hear something that he says that makes you you know like do you say like well okay i'm never gonna never gonna use that argument again if i if someone questions me about a particular thing of faith because right the guy that he said it said it yeah right yeah so i mean paul himself who he said i am the chief of sinners yeah this guy wrote two-thirds of the new testament and he himself said i am the chief of sinners he was taken up to the third heaven this guy saw things that he couldn't even write down in the Bible. He couldn't tell us. We're going to find out when we go when we go to heaven. Chief of sinners, okay. And it wasn't just a self awareness, and he wasn't trying to be falsely humil you know, false humility. He was literally saying he he had he knew what he was. You know, he knew what he was capable of. He knew what he was, and um, and I, you know, you, you make a great point there. Just because somebody you know, had a mad, massive hidden sin issue, it doesn't mean that they still weren't able to do good. And it's not about doing good or doing bad, but it's really, what is it? What is the issue of grace? What is grace? It's getting what you don't deserve, mm -hmm. you know, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So I think that, and I don't want to speak to Robbie because that's a whole different yeah, yeah. subject. But when you have church hurt, when you have somebody that's abused or hurt you or wounded you in the church, you need to take it at that level from the individual level and not blame God for it and say, oh, well, because God let this happen, then he must be bad. And this whole thing, this whole system is bad and it all needs to burn. I mean, I was going to say, I just thought of this thing is like... Uh... If you, uh, I was gonna, you go to a restaurant, right? And like a waiter's really rude to you and like spill some soup on you and you ruin your shirt. 
are like, you never going to go to that restaurant again? If you go to like the Olive Garden Probably and, not. and you spill some marinara on you, <laughs> like one waiter spills some marinara on you and you ruin your, f- your favorite shirt or whatever and it's ruined forever, are you like going to swear off uh, Italian food for the rest of your life? Are you going to blame it? Like Italians for inventing pasta. It's Mario's fight. It's yeah. a me, a Mario. But you know what I mean? Like that's kind of a silly example, but it's the same thing. If like one particular person hurts you one particular right. way, not saying that I'm not trying to lessen the someone right. being seriously hurt. I'm right. just trying to use not an analogy to make sense that I think it's yeah the same way. You don't blame all of Italy because right. a waiter spilled some marinara sauce on you. That's you right. Know? Now you might There's- not. You might not go back to an Italian restaurant you, for a while, or you might sue and take the guy to court, or you might. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if something serious yeah, happens, if legal you get burned, action. you or take him to the police if he punches you, you know, something right. like that. Like you they take steal it with your this, credit card number, that specific person, not right. everything. Right. Take him out in the parking lot. Yeah. Put him in a dumpster full of linguine. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say like, uh, it's hard because like even though I haven't experienced the full level of you know hurt and trauma and actual abuse that some people have which I have not experienced abuse thank Mm -hmm. god but um, many people have and yes exactly instead of actually just like addressing wait a minute that was a problem what they did was sin what the way that people handled it was sin like all of that is just so dysfunctional so wrong instead of just addressing that scenario and like okay what even are you guys like basing your levels of morality on like instead Mm -hmm. of addressing that thing the person leaves the church and blames the church which not every person in the unless it's every person but not every person in the church is like that and it does not reflect the word of god which is so hard when like and it frustrates me so much when people's experience of God and the Bible and church and being in community with other believers is all tainted through the lens of wrong interpretations, guilting and shaming people instead of actually like, like diving into what does God actually say about this? Not right. the way that I was taught, the way that I'm choosing to interpret this or, you know, I'm uh, projecting my past onto you. Like, no, like throw all that away. Let's go to what the actual word of God says. So that's very, it's hard when like it's hurt you so much that you're just throwing everything away mm-hmm. when that thing does not even reflect what you went through. Yeah. Like, and it shouldn't reflect what and you went through. Trust me, as someone who has experienced church hurt firsthand, uh, it can damage you. It can really throw you for a loop. You know, faith is a deep thing and trusting faith leadership is is up there as well because it's a spiritual thing you're you're trusting you're trusting that you're trusting that person to shepherd your soul at some level and to you know protect you in the realm of eternal matters and so in that and this is where i think other shepherds should be holding other shepherds accountable you know this is where i think church leadership and it's a whole nother podcast but i think where church leadership needs a whole um overhaul in a lot of in a lot of ways um you know if if you're like you know you're in a church where there's one guy and he can do whatever he wants and call the shots and he doesn't have anybody that can hold keep him in line or warn him and if they do warn him then they're cut out 
then that's a dangerous position for everyone. It's dangerous for him and it's dangerous for the sheep, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it needs to be looked at. And there's a lot of churches in our country right now that are modeled after that, set up like that, structured like that. And it's not biblical. It's not safe and it causes a lot of harm. And so, um, you know, but does that mean because I've been wounded by the church that J- Jesus and all of it needs to be thrown away? You know, does it all need to burn? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> can you imagine how many mistakes yeah. the early church fathers made when they were trying to lead the in the middle of massive persecution and uh, an, a gospel that was spreading like wildfire and people being saved like crazy and then not knowing not having the experience. Yeah. How many mistakes do you think they made? They made a lot. Why do you think Paul wrote the I'm letters so that he wrote? You know? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, even kind of taking it, it, just an interesting kind of side tangent from what you're talking about. It's interesting to think about like a lot of these things that we think are heretical now that we know, like that's a heretical teaching. That is not true. Yeah. Much in the same way of like, there's, they didn't all have, the entire codified Bible, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. a lot of these times where we can look back now and be like, Oh my God, how do they think that you got to imagine? It's like some guy sitting around and they're like, how do we reconcile this? Well, this kind of makes sense. Right. And so then they're like, okay, we can't, we don't have anyone else to rebuke us. You know what I mean? So it's, or they'd have these huge debates that would go on literally for days. Right. And like hours. Yeah. On end. And but, they'd get in, Fist fights. fights. Yeah. <laughs> Think about Nicholas, you know, yeah. St. Nicholas. So yeah. yeah. But I was going to say, it, it. yeah, it just must have been a mess back then. I, I mean, not a mess, but it's just, yeah. You don't have anything. Yeah. A lot, a lot different is now. Yeah. So, but yeah. And, you know, I got to be honest with you. There were people that were walking away from the faith in the early church because of persecution. Mm-hmm. And they, then mm-hmm. they, they would survive the persecution wave and then they would come back to the church and they didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Like, do we let them in? Do we not let them in? What do we do? And uh, eventually grace won out and they let them back in, you know, because that's actually what they should do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so people walking away from the faith uh, has not, it's not something new. Yeah. It's new to our generation, but it's not something new. Um, the last thing that I want to point out, and then I'm going to let you guys take over for a while and, and, and share some thoughts, but... The last thing is that I noticed when we're talking about like background influences to someone leading to deconstruction is there's almost, almost always, I don't want to say always, but almost always in a majority uh, of the times, there is some disagreement with the biblical mandate on sexuality. And uh, whether it's the stance of the church for homosexuality, whether it's the stance, uh, you know, of premarital sex is, or marriage, like all of that, mm-hmm. there's 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 definitely some problems there where, that they don't agree with, and they don't like the way they've been presented, and uh, and that raises its head, you know, a lot of times in these deconstruction, uh, you know, testimonies that I've seen. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, and also the roles of men and women, and the fact that there are men and women. <laughs> that there are yeah. men and women. <laughs> Wait. Like, it, I don't know. when, you, But that's because the, what's the word, dissemination of information mm-hmm. is so uh, prevalent now 
and people are believing all kinds of things and science has become a god its yeah. own dogmas can change from one minute to the next but we're supposed to elevate scientists and atheists uh, the not theologians what's the word for you know um people promoting that type of thought yeah um, called sinners that are burning in hell <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> Wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And like carrying all that to the same level that in the past one would read scripture, one would talk in the square with your friends about different things that you believe and you know, sure some things are out there, but now information is is literally instant. You can at your fingertips have so much information, so much conflicting ideas. Uh, viewpoints on things people are you know hopping on your Instagram post to comment that you know you're so wrong and it's like people have so much information bombarding them all the time and it is really hard to decipher what's true if you don't have some kind of foundation so and a lot of people relate very much and they're very sympathetic to their friends or to their own in their own lives to those struggles of how do I feel? Why do I struggle with these desires? Why do I struggle with this identity? Am I bad because I want to do this and this, or I feel a certain way? Like we're still struggling with, okay, am I a bad person Mm. at the core because of what I want to do, what I want to act on, how I feel, who I'm drawn to. Or, or even to, to add to that is I really like this person is my friend I really, yeah, exactly. I really care about them, but they, they're inclined in a certain sexual identity, and that means that they aren't going to heaven, you know, or whatever. <clears throat> and that's that's the next big, you know, that's the next big thing. Honestly, we, the church has got to begin, and you you touched on this for I think Rachel and Rosie both. You guys touched on this. I think one of the weaknesses of the church right now is because, and it's primarily because we've moved away from expositional biblical teaching is, and we've gone to these series teachings on how to do this, how to be that, how to get that, how to feel this way. And we've moved away from the, just the standard reading of God's word, explaining of God's word, um, you know, and making people theologically minded. uh, And our apologetics have suffered for this and we have been the the culture has progressed to a post Christian era, mm-hmm. and one of those areas that we are lacking in is equipping the church how to deal with the the whole concept of homosexuality. Where does that fit in the church? And there's a lot of confusion about that whole mm-hmm. topic for Christians. Can they be saved? Mm-hmm. Are they? Can they not be saved? How does that? You know, how does that all work? And 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 what happens is you layer on top of that the this whole identity politics and this and in the minute that you say something's wrong now you're a judgmental person and you're a bigot and you're a fascist and you're a racist and you're this phobe and that phobe and and now you can't even speak in the public square like you were just saying Rachel with our friends because and then and then to add to that is everything so emotionally charged like mm-hmm. if I were to just walk up to someone and say, "Hey, you know, look, I, I, under, you know, I understand your your situation a little bit. Like you, but God's word says that 
that's a sin and and unfortunately <laughs> you know you need to repent and that just to say that they need to repent of their lifestyle choice which is what yeah. it is is yeah. like dropping an atom bomb mm-hmm. and and yeah. you know thing that's wrong it's somehow wrong with me instead of a choice that i'm making which yes you may be struggling with how you feel and how you feel that you're oriented and how you like who you feel you are but what you choose to do with that is the choice that you make so right you the biggest problem is the enemy promoting in society that these things that people are doing and these lifestyles that are so contrary to God's word and the actions that people are taking, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's uh, continuing to lie, whether it's serial adultery, whether it's lusting after people are married to, like so many things. Those are all things that grieve God's heart. But when you wrap it into an identity and just say, listen, you have to accept me because this is my identity, no matter what I'm doing, right? That that's, that's the problem is you have the culture that is like, it's almost operating in a different reality mm-hmm. than the reality laid out in God's word. <clears throat> I wanted to share this super quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's this Instagram page called leaving Christianity. Oh man. Um, where do you find these yeah. things? <laughs> Honestly, I just go to Instagram and go to like the related posts and who, who's sharing who. So anyway, <laughs> um, take the painful path of leaving their faith so that they can sin in peace or because it's the easier path. Yeah. Yeah. When one can no longer condition themselves into beliefs that are in resistance with reality and critical thinking, it happens when no one, when one can no longer justify the groundless ideas that are the basis of the Christian faith. So this is literally (laughs) operating—it's operating in a different reality because it's forgetting the fact that so much of the Bible is history, it is eyewitness report, Mm -hmm. and it is things that can be backed up with multiple people's testimonies. And it's like forgetting that. And it's, it's just putting it over to, this is the myth section. It needs to be over here in fiction. Um, you know, it's a self-help. Yeah. Um, and so it, you're, you're operating on a different reality. It's like, okay, are we going to operate in the, in the science realm in the science dogma, or are we going to operate in what the word of God says? Yeah. So the problem here is it's not even about, oh, I don't want to stop sinning. It's not even about that. It's like you're operating in a different, you have to use different language almost because people are so conditioned to believe that critical thinking and reality is the opposite of the Bible. So which science are we to believe in? The science that the Ice Age was going to come like when I was in elementary school or the science that acid rain was going to kill our cars or in the 80s or... Or the science that the polar caps are now going to melt um, here in the 2000s. Which science are we supposed to believe? The science that there's two genders or that there's 300 genders? The science that uh, masks work or that masks don't work? Which science are we to believe in? Because that you're just putting yourself on a completely changing scale. Like there is absolutely yeah. no foundation. Science is fluid because... Science is a process of asking questions and it's not a set in stone. That's why you cannot have right. a scientific census because that should be changing mm-hmm. and it should be constantly changing. And that you can't have something that no one is allowed to question. Otherwise it's no longer the scientific method. It becomes a dogma. 
Right. Which, if you have some, there has to be truth. Right. Somehow, because there's the truth that you and I are confronted with every single day when we open our eyes and what we see, other people can see as well, what we feel, other people can feel as well. So there has to be some kind of universal reality. So to separate, okay, if you either have to believe science or you have to believe God, why can't we just like believe both? Why can't we use our senses that God gave us and actually like connect the two? They don't have to be in opposition unless you have the dogma of evolution or you have the dogma of a narrative that is so contrary to the word of God. So I I do agree though, like that one slide that you were talking about what the Bible is and what the Bible isn't when it talks about the Bible isn't a science book I I agree it's not a uh, a science book but it is a scientific book you okay. know yeah. and it has it has statements in there that science will prove out you know mm-hmm. and it's you know and it's not a it's not an archaeology book but it our archaeology is going to prove it because when we do archaeological digs, we find these cities, we find these towns, we find these places, we find these, you know, names that are documented of ancient times. You know, we're talking 5,000 years ago. Yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. say, I have a couple thoughts about some stuff. And I think the biggest thing you talk, touched on Rachel a bunch of, a while ago, that it's not just that people have information, um, like that is a thing, like being able to have, you know, cause if you think back, I mean, way before even the printing press, you couldn't even have access to a Bible, you know? Yeah. So you couldn't like, you'd have to go travel to like, if you wanted to learn about Buddhism and you lived in, I don't know, Africa, you had to go to Tibet. You had to go, you had to go somewhere and talk to the people and then you just hear what they say, and then that's it. Like, that's how you learn things about that, right? Like, yeah. that's how they would learn. The is, oral, yeah, the oral yeah, traditions. The, or read some metal slabs or, or right. concrete or whatever. But it's not even just the fact that people have information because, like, we've had access to different kinds of information. Yeah, it's been uh, exponentially growing in the last little while. But it's not a relatively new phenomenon. I think the thing... It, more so with this is you have yes all this access to information um I, I but it's combined with the fact that you can find people who agree with you and so it's not even mm-hmm. it's not only that like i i just picture and i have no idea but just like this image in my head um where if uh i, I don't know like the 1800s right and all of a sudden they some guy is like reads some book or hears some weird thing that he doesn't understand right he would go and like talk to the people around him and say like hey you know teacher can you teach me you know what do you think about this what do you think about this and then the pastor or what do you think about this how does this work right and there would be and typically people would go and just talk to someone get an answer from an educated person that they trusted and you know has proven themselves and then they just go okay and but now we can keep searching for literally this is the issue is until the, we find what you we can want. find confirmation someone that confirms every single thing so you can find <laughs> information now you can find science that backs up your silly thing like i'm just saying right so now that's the problem of not only do you have access to information you can find information to back up whatever you want it to say and now you have people telling you on top of that 
and say, yes, you're correct. Right. So there's people that are with you on that. Yeah. So I think that's so a like very you, new thing. That is new. That is the group that tells you like, yes, this is a thing and we're with you in it. And then you have this whole sense of community. And that's the whole thing with the identity thing. Yeah. Is it's not like, well, that's the th- you know, this. Dude, the that's Scarlet awesome. Letter. That's awesome what you just said though. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is all it comes down to in like, in terms of like, because you, you said, you know, a serial adulterer, a straight serial adulterer, right? Take that for example for from a person that has just is is maybe they would say that they struggle with homosexual desires, right? The 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 thing is is now you find a group of people and instead of saying, you know, if you had if you were struggling in the eighteen hundreds with I'm a guy and for whatever reason I just kind of look at guys and like I know this is not normal. I'm the only person in my town that I that I know of because there's no other people like this and you go and confide in someone and they will say that's just a sin like you just got to struggle through that everyone's sin is different you just gotta that's just how you're maybe that's just something you got to struggle with you know some people you know are tempted to cheat all the time or, like rob places but they, it would get stopped pretty quickly you know what I mean they wouldn't the culture be, because of the culture yeah yeah and now you can and see that's the thing is now these homosexuals and sodomites and all that stuff is they're told they're like i'm gay right and instead of us saying like it used to be okay well i don't care and now it's like no you have to care but like this is the only thing and i think that's why it pops up so much this is the point i'm getting to the reason i think it's so prevalent and it's always comes down to this issue is because it's the only sin issue that i can really think of that people are told in mass to celebrate it and not only celebrate it, but like proclaim it. Fly the flag. As, but it's an identity thing. That's, right. see, that's the whole thing about the gay. Like if you were, if I ran around and like cheated on my taxes all the time, or uh, okay, I take that back. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'd, if I got away with cheating on my taxes, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't like paying taxes. I'm just kidding. But if like. You're now going to be audited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, come at me. But I'm just trying to think of like a sin, like if you just walked around and you're like, hey, everybody, I'm a liar. I'm going to lie to you about every single thing. <laughs> and like, you can't take anything I have to say with a grain of salt. And then if you were to go, hey, Steven, you're kind of a liar, man. You should stop lying. That really hurts me. And I'd be like, that's just who I am, man. I just lie. I was born this you, way. I was born this way. You got to accept it. And I'm going to lie all day, all night. Yeah. No one does that. So that's when that, I think that's why it's so integral. And when you yeah. attack, well, there's no other sin. No one goes around and says like, "Hey, I serially cheat on my wife," right? And puts it on their shirt and walk, has a parade with all guys that cheat on their wives, and they walk down a parade. Right. It's this is like the, I think it's so intimately driven because it's also, I think one of the things that is constantly attacked from the dev- the devil is because it's such an a powerful thing that we are made in the image in as imagers of God. Like we can't like the devil cannot create new people. Right. Right. Like right. God, God can create new people. Ex nihilo. He you actually know, can out create of nothing. Two people. Out he of can one create people. Because... Yes. And as humans, that is a thing that is an, we are imagers. We have the cap of uh, the qualities that reflect to God. And one of the, I think the biggest things is that we can create life 
And so that's why it's so highly targeted by the devil, because, I mean, that, that's such a, a thing that is innately human and so deep, but it also ties us so much greater back to God. So that's why it's constantly mm -hmm. attacked. And that's why it's a thing that people just really can't get over. Even I know people that are pretty conservative and socially mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And they're just like, the gay stuff is just, you know, like they're just like, I just still can't. It's like the last holdout. You know what I mean? It always comes back to the sex stuff. It yeah. always does. And I think. Well, it, it's, and, and I she, think the church has done a major disservice yeah. to the congregations on talking about this and, you know, working it out, going through the Bible, seeing what the word said. And I, there's plenty of people that will point a finger and say, you're a sinner. But it's so much more than just that. And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not giving permission to it. But what I'm saying is it's so much more than that. And we have to be willing to unpack it, to look at it. And, you know, and that's just one area. But when we talk about deconstructing, we talk about the things that go into a person's deconstructing of their faith. These are the typical things. They don't trust the Bible as the Word of God. They've had some bad experience with a church with church hurt. They've they've been um, they felt that they they couldn't question in a fundamentalist kind of cramped you know structure system maybe in their home. They've uh, they're they're they they uh, they have a a propensity to care about things that wouldn't typically be cared about in the church and social issues, and and then they have the then there's inevitably some kind of sexual issue that may come up. They may not even be, they're just more sympathetic. They have friends that are homosexuals. They don't want to see those friends. They can't invite them to church because they're friends. And the, the homosexual communities have an idea about church too, because they've been, they're not friends. The church and the homosexual community are not friends. And, and the church says, well, we'll become friends. We'll just accept you and we'll accept this, this behavior, <laughs> you know, and that's just not, that's not the answer. So th that's part of what where the church has done a disservice in that area. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think we're going to see, unfortunately, more people are going to end up moving away from faith. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, some people talk, I hear a lot of Christians talk about a great harvest that's supposed to come in the last days. I don't see that in scripture. I don't see a great harvest coming in the last days. I see it in the coming from the 144,000 Jews that go out in the tribulation period. Um, I see a harvest of Jews that are returning back that God's after. I don't see that in the world in general, hmm. a great harvest that's coming in. I want it. I would love for that to happen. I think the harvest is ripe right now. Jesus yeah. himself said it's the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So I think it's ready now to be brought in. We just need people that are willing to go out and speak the truth and love and share the gospel and let that do the work, yeah. you know? But my point is, is that I don't see a, a great harvest coming in in the last days. I see more of an apostasia, the, a falling away. And I know we talked about on the rapture episode, the falling away, it could be literally a taking away, mm -hmm. but it also is applicable to be a falling away. And so, um, I think Which in those last given over to <laughs> their uh, their sinful nature, their yeah, all their lusts and everything like that's that's all predicted that people are beginning to abandon the faith and abandon abandon even the desire. Um, and I think that 
the church really does need to recognize the shortcomings, and which is very helpful to have so, this movement to, to the surface, I think. Like, mm. It's good that it's not one or two people across the entire country, that it's actually a, a very vocal movement because we're addressing, okay, wait a minute, this is where we've gone wrong for the past 100, 200 years. Mm-hmm. This is how, like growing up, like, there were so many things that I did not know how to properly like uh, conduct myself about. I didn't, or I had some sense of, oh man, if I think this and I'm sinning when it, that wasn't necessarily the truth. So, so like reframing how we're even like addressing these hot topics and framing how we approach the conversations is so important with the next generation that we're raising up with our conversations with people who have left the church, we need to somehow recognize where they're coming from and not just like beat them over the head with the Bible mm-hmm. in unkind way. We have to literally build relationships and meet them where they're at and be like, okay, I understand that the way that you experienced this was wrong. The people who treated you this way, this was wrong. And this is why. Yeah. Um, and, that's something that I think that they're not experiencing. They're instead they're just experiencing gaslighting, or they're experiencing um, just people shunning them just for the idea of questioning. So I do really think that we need to change our approach, um, yeah, and really address topics in a more healthy way mm-hmm. um, without without pandering <laughs> for sure. Like yeah. you can't without. <clears throat> dropping the truth we have to stand firm by the truth but really like it comes down to being a graceful loving person and how do you win people over you don't shame them even more right, <laughs> you don't right push away in the way that you're talking if you're really trying to build a relationship with someone it's going to take a little bit longer than you think and it really cannot just be you telling them what to do um it really has to be brought to the Lord and pointed back to the truth, essentially. So, in Second Timothy chapter three, in verse five, it says that uh, it says having a form of godliness but denying its power, and it's it's mm-hmm. in, this is in reference to the godlessness in the de- in the last days. He goes on this like whole tirade of like all of these traits, you know, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, all this stuff. And the last thing he says is having a form of godliness, but to die in its power. And I think that that is a pretty accurate description of these people that are in this deconstructionist movement. They have a form of godliness. Yeah. They're like, Hey, we're, we're Christians, but we're not Christians. Like you're Christian. We're, yeah. we, and they deny all the power. The power comes yeah. from the word of God. <laughs> the power comes from forgiveness. The power comes, you know. <laughs> oh, I was just saying, it's so funny that literally they're talked about in the Bible. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, the the Bible whole thing, that yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, actually they wrote about you too. Like literally what you're doing right now is you're <laughs> actually following what the Bible says you would be doing. They can't get out of it. I mean, it's they just can't. so funny. Well, no one can. The Bible is a is a book that was written that knows, all, knows mankind. Yeah. It, it, it's... No one's gonna get out of it. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be the weight that everyone stands against, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. you're either gonna get the pass, you know, or you're gonna have to give an account, you know. It's and this is what 
And this is what the Holy Spirit does in evangelism. It convicts the world according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. You know, what sin, what righteousness are you standing right with God? And are, and are you prepared for judgment? You know, and when you start to evangelize in those things, people's you'll see that's like the three keys of evangelism. You stick to those things. Don't get in the weeds on other stuff. You stick to those three things. You'll see much more success in your gospel sharing with people. Um, because they have those go to the heart of matters, you know. Anyways. Yeah, it's really interesting seeing that the people who are the most vocal in the forefront of the movement are still trying to have that semblance of godliness. They're trying to have the spirituality and the. It's almost like trying to have all of the the rich lore and discussion and the heart without the foundation. Um, and it's really sad because it's like it's like emptiness. It's like that mm-hmm. resounding gong. You don't actually have the author of love and the author author of salvation indwelling you. You're just trying to have the religiosity and the vague spirituality without the substance. So <laughs> it's really it's really tough. They are trying to go about you know loving people and changing the world, but kind of forgetting why. Um, I mean, honestly. Wouldn't it be just, just go play golf? Because, I mean, why, what's the point? What's the point of what you're doing? You're helping somebody? Big deal. If there's no heaven Mm. and there's no reward and there's no, there's no purpose behind it, like if they're not made in God's image because there is no God, then just go play golf. I mean, honestly, what are you doing? You're actually trying to appease your conviction is what it is. You're you're putting a show on. It's it's almost like the uh, in Ananias and Sapphira were trying to show that they were doing this much and being vocal about we are doing this much and putting that they're giving and their uh, it was about them what they were doing. Yeah. So that's really interesting that like okay, not only are all these you know churches or podcasts or books or speakers talking about you know we're doing all of this kind of as an F you to the Christian community because we're doing all this, but without all of the shaming and without all of the, uh, without, yeah, all of that culture. But, but the thing is, why not just go do it mm-hmm. and just forget about all the other stuff if it wasn't working, but who are you trying to please here? And right. who is like, what's the point, you know? Because not all of them are actually outright denying God. They're just kind of like not wanting to put him in a box or not right. labeling him one God. So. Yeah. I was kind of thinking this might not be a perfect analogy, but I think it is. I mean, I think it kind of fits. I was just thinking of uh, it's like you, you want the prestige of being a doctor, but like you don't want to actually go get your PhD or something like that. So you find some mm-hmm. way to... An honorary doctorate? Get like an honorary doctorate and then you walk around and then uh, just because you only, doctor, you only want the prestige of it and you don't actually care about like the learning or yeah. like anything behind it. I mean, like, honestly, I would take that. I would take an honorary doctorate. If there's yeah, anyone I mean, listening that could give me an honorary doctorate, I would take that. I'm too old to go back to school and finish. Yeah, stuff. but I mean. I mean, it, I'm 50. So yeah. it's just, it wouldn't work. No, yeah. It wouldn't work. I'd be like 70 by the time I finished doesn't take that long. Yeah, it move, would take me. You, yeah. It would for me. Yeah. I'm a yeah. slow learner. But I mean, it's all about the prestige of something that doesn't matter because they don't, you don't have the right information anyways. Like, 
Right. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, it's kind of like that thing that it's totally useless other than people around you get to address you as doctor, which you take as some elevated state. And you think that you're walking around helping people by saying that you're a doctor and you're very smart, but you're not. Right. It's just a totally empty thing that's only done for your own vanity. Yeah. Yeah. You're like going to a church because of the way that it makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> you mean there's churches that appeal to people's emotions? What are you saying, Rachel? I'm about like the the charismatic Pentecostal ones. I'm talking about you're going. Let's say you're going to like a literate Greek high, Orthodox. Yeah, a high. The church. way that it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I used to want to do that when I was younger. I was like, man, I just really want to go to a Greek Orthodox church and just because it's so cool and it feels so old and mm -hmm. literally not even because of what they're teaching or <laughs> what, what, yeah, any of the substance or what's taught. It's just how it makes you feel. I was going to say, that's an this is an interesting thing, maybe much in the same way. Um, kind of really doesn't have to do with the topic, but it does in the same way that I see people um, particularly as a, maybe this is like a good, you have the deconstructionist on the left of Christians and then you have these rad trad uh, people that are not my friends if they've made it this far. I'm not talking about you guys that may listen <laughs> to this. I, I know that you're genuine. But you see this thing with typically guys where they're like they want to return and be against this, you know, the, the leftism. What they call it? Chad? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's like they want to be rad, tr radical traditionalists. Yeah. And they think like I have to be Catholic and I have to go to Latin mass. And they wear yeah. that in the same way, just as like someone will say, oh, I used to be a Christian. Now I'm not. That's so silly. The other end, which you should not be doing, is only going to like some sort of church so that you can boast about, oh, well, I go to it's typically just Catholics. I don't see it because everyone hates Protestants these days. Right. It's right. not cool that they're like, yeah, I, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm becoming Greek Orthodox or I'm becoming Catholic and I go to mass five times a week and I go to confession every week. And, you know, do you do that? And it's the same way. So I was going to say it's, there's both, there's an extreme on the other end too. Well then I don't know why, but the Catholics, the, the Vatican said they're out of money. So maybe they need more of these rad trads to start happening so that mm. they can get, get their coffers filled again. Yeah. Do you see that? No. Vatican's out of money. They run that old uh, stolen Nazi gold? Yeah. Nice. It's finally gone. All right. Well, this is good. I think yeah. this is this is cool. I, I mean, I don't know if we helped it anymore. <laughs> I mean, if if you're if you are someone that's, you know, on the verge of de deconstructing your faith and and you know, think about some of the things we said. Think about like hold your heart up to some of these things, you know, that we talked about like the background things that go into someone falling into that category and and share it with someone that you know w that loves the lord number one but all you know really read your word like read the bible like start there and mm. and allow god's word to begin to shape your thinking again because the bible tells us that the word of god is living and is active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword dividing even the bone from the marrow in other words, it gets to the heart of the matter, it goes to the deepest parts, and it's able to to cut away the things that aren't needed, you know? But you have to approach it with that reverence and that honor and that respect. You have to approach, approach God's word as though 
its own testimony of it being alive. And it is alive because it is the words of God who is alive. And so... He is unchanging, that's why it's... That's right, exactly. And it's so when we diss God's word, when we dismiss God's word, we're not dismissing his words, we're dismissing him. Hmm. And in the same way that Israel, ancient Israel would, would, you know, reject the prophets when they would come and speak... God said, you're not respect, you're not rejecting you, prophets are rejecting me. And uh, in the same way, when we reject God's word, we're rejecting him. So um, anyways, that's my two cents. Mm. But uh, I feel like um, the, the most that more, more and more people are messaging me about, like, how can I be sure of my faith? in spite of all the other things about going on in Christianity or going on in like culture or the way that people have treated, uh, not me personally, but the way that people have treated um, Christians and like just mishandled things like purity culture and stuff like that. Or like there's, there's a misconception that when people are reading the, the fire and the brimstone aspect, you know, of the Bible that it's all directed on them which to some degree yeah. it might be. But but the, the problem is we're forgetting all of the other things where God mm-hmm. is actually us out. He is telling us our incredible worth, that he's created us, that he literally sent his son to die for us. There is so, For every ounce of fire and brimstone, there is so much more richness of mercy and just an incredible depth of intimate relationship that he's speaking out between us. And so I think that we're, we're forgetting to point people to that. Like who, who is defining your worth here? Right. Um, and so people are going to other ways or going to other avenues to try and define who they are and who their worth is. Um, so I think that, yeah, there, there really just needs to be a better discussion on how to point people into their identity and how that is defined by the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, when it's just focusing on, well, I'm inherently a sinner, so that means no matter what I'm going to do, I'm always going to fail. And they're they're not even being directed to, but you're going to have someone walking alongside you and um, get you a chance to to make your whole life new. So, yeah, it, I just really think that the discussion needs to change. And I really hope that we have future discussions too, because especially after we get some feedback too, because I think there's a lot of, hurt and a lot of people not even knowing how to um how to move forward yeah um in their relationship with the lord because of the way that people have told them that god is yeah right that's right yeah yep i was gonna say if i can sum up my little thing is it's okay to have doubts doesn't mean (laughs) you're a bad person and uh turn your doubts ask god to help you with them yeah he can handle he can handle your doubts. He can handle you not understanding him. He can handle you being a little upset at him about certain things, why things happen. As I think I was going to say, I think you had that hurt written down. Like evil suffering is something that I yeah. think is innate into yeah. deconstruction. It is another catalyst. I think that people get hurt or you know something like that. And God's big enough; He can handle all that. Yeah. So. That's don't, all. don't give up the faith. Don't lose the faith. Yeah, that's right. Don't lose the faith. Yeah. Anyways, cool. Well, this is good. And uh, like I said, if you're struggling, 
feel free to reach out to us through the Instagrams or wherever. And, um, we'll, we would love to talk to you and help you if we can. Uh, I know the Lord can, so go to him first (laughs) and then go to someone else and then come to us last. (laughs) Anyways, Rachel will help you find her on Instagram. (laughs) She's got all the answers. I'm not a counselor. I can just point you to the people that have helped me right. and point you to the word. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Cool. I'm give you a hug. <laughs> That's right. I'll give you a hug via the internet. Anyways. Awesome. Well, you guys, this has been good. Mm. And uh, we're going to, uh, we'll catch you next time on All Out War. See you. Yep. See you. Yeah.